0: First Kings chapter 14 and verse number 21. Meanwhile, Rehoboam son of Solomon was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city the Lord had chosen from among all the tribes of Israel as the place to honor his name. I want you pay attention to that word honor. Rehoboam's mother was Namah, an Ammonite. And during Rehoboam's reign, the people of Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, provoking his anger with their sin, for it was even worse than that of their ancestors. Verse 23. For they also built for themselves pagan shrines and set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were even male and female shrine prostitutes throughout the land. The people imitated And pay attention to this phrase as well. The people imitated the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. So they were kind of reverting back to what God had just cleansed the land of. This is the people of God. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including all the gold shields that Solomon had made. Stole them all, all the gold shields. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes. And he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would also take the shields and then return them to the guard room. I want to preach to you for a little while on this thought tonight. The tragedy of a bronze shield. The tragedy of a bronze shield. I'm going to tell you in advance Two-thirds of this is going to be preventive medicine, and one-third of this is going to be challenging us directly because it's not only important to know where we're going and what we might become or what could happen to us, but it's also important to know where we are right now and to be challenged where we are in our walk with God right now. So if you put your Bibles down, And if you would lift your voice one more time, I've asked you to do this already, but lift your voice one more time and ask heaven to speak to your heart tonight. Lord Jesus, we want your word. (laughs) I covet your word spoken to my life. It's the highest word, highest instruction, the highest voice that could ever be spoken to me. And I pray tonight, By the anointing of the Holy Ghost, anoint my lips to speak your word, not the words of man, but your word. Anoint my heart, God, to preach with the power of your spirit. Do what no man can do. Set us on the course. God, that you would have us to be on so that this church, that this generation, that these people can impact their city, their province, this country to the glory of your name. That a country that so desperately needs the power of an apostolic church could be that which you called us to be in this time. And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There was a particular man who worked long and hard for a a large part of his life, making a great career. One day he decided to rest from the work and to live in luxury for his pleasure, which he could now afford because of his immense wealth. But just when he made the decision, an angel of death came to him and being a very wealthy person, He decided to bargain as he had with so many people before, and so he bargained with the angel of death that for whatever price this angel would accept, would he spare his life. He bargained for a long time, but the angel was unmoved. Desperate, finally, the rich man made the last proposal to the angel. He said, give me just one hour of my life so that I can admire the beauty of this earth for the last time. Spend some time with my family, some time with my friends, whom I haven't seen for a long time. And I will give you all my wealth. But as you know, the angel refused again. Finally the man asked if the angel could give him at give him at least one minute so that he could write a goodbye note He wished his wish was granted and he wrote a note and said this he said quote spend your time Which was given to you in the right way. I couldn't even buy an hour of my life with all my wealth Listen to your heart and check if the things surrounding you have a true value cherish every minute of your life. I'm sure That in this house tonight are many people who understand that they have often put their efforts and their time into things that have no value for eternity. We have often caught ourselves, if you've been walking with God for any length of time, you've often caught yourself in moments preoccupied or angry, spending emotional energy or time on silly things, temporary things, fleeting things, and yet we have fallen for their allure nonetheless. My prayer time over the last few months has increasingly begun to focus on repentance for the condition of the church in general today and for the forgiveness for the saint of God. I am praying, of course, still for myself, but also for you as well. I am praying that God would forgive us. That God would forgive us and turn our hearts to be consumed by him. That he would so consume us that this world's entertainments, and distractions would lose their power so that the church would become the most powerful force of the gospel in the world, the force that he designed it to be. You see, if the enemy... If the enemy would lay bare his plans tonight, he does not need to open. get you to openly deny God. He doesn't need you to turn yourself into a confessed atheist or agnostic. No, simply all he needs to do is to get your attention and your affections, the places where you choose to spend your time. But there is an aspect of this principle of the backslidden heart that I want to bring for your consideration tonight. For it exists not only in the bar room or the obvious sinner. I want to bring to your attention that although the goal of the devil is to steal, to kill, and to destroy your hope of an eternity with Christ, the thief accomplishes this most often by leaving you with just enough of a relationship with God and a relationship with the church that you think you're okay and Everything will be all right if you can catch before I'm finished tonight if you can catch this message I have no doubt that many of you will pick up a new determination to live out the life of spiritual adventure to which God has called you and make a deeper commitment, but if you miss this if you miss this principle in the word of God, however you come across it, whether it's tonight or in your Bible reading or, or next Sunday morning or Wednesday night. If you miss this principle, you, can, you will continue to float through life thinking you're okay because you still have a form of what God intended you to have. But you will miss out on the favor and the glory of God that he wants to work through you. As we're introduced to Rehoboam, the new king of Judah, here in our text, it is helpful to know the context in which he comes to the throne. Rehoboam, you may remember, is the son of King Solomon, who was one of the wisest and wealthiest kings who ever ruled, and it is he who first ordered the creation of the gold shields near the end of our text we read of in our text tonight. Although Solomon's spiritual life did not end well, when he requested the shields to be made out of gold, it was out of a zeal to please the Lord. It is important to understand here at this point that Solomon did not come up with the materials for these shields on his own. You see gold in scripture, most of you probably already know this, but gold in scripture was used to symbolize God's divine presence and holiness. That's why there was no gold in the outside of the tabernacle in the wilderness until you stepped through the curtains into the holy place and then everything there was covered in gold representative of the presence of God until you made your way into the holy of holies and before the ark of the covenant which was also complete completely covered in gold, representing the presence and the glory of the Lord. And so it is for this reason that in the original plans uh, of both the temple and the tabernacle, that God has these shields that are to be taken into the temple, into the inner place, and to be placed there covered with gold. He instructs every piece of furniture in the holy place, every uh, piece of furniture or every uh, instrument in the holy of holies, to be completely covered with gold. So imagine with me then as these 500 shields of gold that Solomon's elite bodyguards uh, would carry to the temple as they followed the king from the, uh, from the king's house to the temple. Imagine as those 500 shields of gold glisten in the sun, the early reflecting a resplendence of the precious metal yet greater than the brilliance of those shields shining in the sun far greater than even the worth of those shields uh, and, and of the gold on the shields uh, was that the message behind uh, these shields for greater than this brilliance of and the greater than the value of the shields was the declaration you see this shield these this power this glory this resplendence uh, was declaring that God, the God of Israel, was amongst his people. It's very, it's very clear with just a, a small uh, uh, examination of history that these shields were not good for much practical use. Any of you who have studied battles or studied uh, 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 Roman history or, or Jewish history, you know nobody went into battle with gold shields. They weren't practical. They were heavy. Way too heavy to carry into battle. But the message of these gold shields would be clear. As these soldiers marched to the temple. The message was that Israel does not depend on her own human ingenuity. Power or provision. No, our sole dependence is on the presence and the glory of God. If God's presence is with us then who can be against us as moses said if you don't go and god I don't want to go. So, as these soldiers would pick up the gold shields from the armory of the king's palace, and as they would march from the palace to the temple, they would declare that the God of Israel himself protects the king. That it's not the wisdom or the skills of the soldiers carrying them, but it is the king of kings that marches along with them and protects the king. What a legacy! What an inheritance for this new king ascending the throne to receive. The presence of God amongst this nation. The parallels between the generation of Rehoboam and our generation is striking. The legacy of apostolic power that was passed to us by the previous generations that knew how to pray. Knew how to live for that which was to come and not for the gods of the world. Knew what it was to walk in apostolic power and anointing and they handed this generation a legacy of the presence of God. When other churches were dead in their formality, in their religious practices, when other churches were just going through the motions, you and I received an apostolic inheritance of people that knew that it was God that made the difference in our services, that it was not the quality of our singing, that it was not the greatness of our preaching or the oratory of it but it was the presence and the power of God that kept this church and led this church and was the preeminent thing in this church. And so it was with broken heart that we watch within five short years of ascending the throne Rehoboam would lose the majority of the wealth That he had inherited. The mighty kingdom that his father and grandfather had built with God. Would be split. And degraded until finally in our text. The Bible says. That a small king. Not even one of the most powerful that the world had seen. But just another king of one of the other nations. Would steal the gold shields from the armory. And take them away back to his country. The kingly heir of an empire. Rehoboam in no time was the master of a depleted state. But how? The, the question for us right now is how did this happen? Why such a fall? How can a kingdom move from being positioned in the power and the glory of God into a shell are a hollow reflection of what used to be. How does this happen? The answer is found in verse 22 through 24 of our text. It says, During Rehoboam's reign, the people of Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, provoking His anger with their sin, for it was even worse than that of their ancestors. They built shrines to the gods of this world. I want you to listen to the language of it. They built shrines to the gods of this world. They got involved in sexual sins and began to imitate the nations around them. In spite of the warnings of the preachers of their day, Israel insisted. On going their own way. They wanted God to just leave them alone while they pursued their own lusts and desires. I want to pause at this point and say that sometimes those lusts and desires don't look like overt sin. They look like good things and godly things but they're covered in flesh. These men somehow believed that because they still had the temple, they could add whatever other worship they desired to the relationship with God and and still be okay. I still go to church. I still have the temple. Verse 25 of our text tells us that because of Rehoboam's sin, King Shishak of Egypt came to attack Jerusalem. He ransacked the temple of the Lord, Israel's most holy place. He stole everything in the house of the Lord, including the gold shields that Solomon had made. Rehoboam's pursuit of the wrong things had opened the door for the enemy to come in and steal symbolically the thing that matters the most. The one thing that separated them from every other nation of the world, the presence of and the glory of God in their midst. This settling for compromise opened Rehoboam and his family and his entire kingdom to the attack of an enemy nation. No doubt this is heartbreaking for God to watch, but there is something subtle that that happens next that I want to bring to your attention because this is where it comes to where we're at. You see, King Rehoboam had a solution to the devastation. He had an answer for what had been stolen. And so he decided to make new shields in place of the stolen ones. So because he no longer had any gold, he had to find a substitute. And he found that bronze could be crafted to look a lot like the gold shields. And just as those resplendent golden shields of Solomon spoke a silent message of God's glory and presence so too did these substitutionary bronze shields speak a message. And that was God's presence, God's provision, God's protection are gone. But these new shields made so much sense. I'm sure that Rehoboam thought bronze was a decent substitute. After all, bronze did have some value. And I don't know if you know this, but you could polish bronze to look shiny and attractive, almost like gold. To understand the significance of the loss though of these gold shields and the replacement with bronze, you need to understand that there is a big difference between gold and bronze. First, one of Solomon's large gold shields today would be valued at over $450,000 for one shield. Well, one large bronze shield of, from that Solomon made would be valued at $80. There's a big difference between $450,000 and $80,000. But more than that, The gold of those shields weighed twice as much as the bronze shields. So you need to understand something and the significance of the weight of these shields. To understand what the glory of God that we speak of that departed was. The word glory, the the glory that we refer to all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, generally represents the Hebrew word kabod with the root idea of, of heaviness and so of weight or worthiness. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the weight of his presence, the weight of his Power. It is used of men to describe their wealth, their splendor, or their reputation. But the glory of Israel was not her armies, but the glory of Israel was Yahweh. And the weight that those shields represented uh, reminded the soldier every time they picked it up. Yes, they were shiny. Yes, they declared the resplendence of God. But they also declared the weight uh, and the glory of the God that they served. Every time they marched, they marched with a heavier arm. As they remembered we're not carrying shields like the armies of the nations around us but we carry shields that are representative of the glory of God that was among us. But now, now that the gold shields are gone and the bronze ones are found in their place, they are reminded all over again. As the king says, it's the day that I've got to go to the temple. The guard make their way into the king's armory and one by one they slip their arm through the handles of the shield and as they go to pick it up and turn around it it doesn't bow their arm like it used to bow and they're reminded as they make their way out of the armory and as they begin to lead the king to the temple on their way to the house of the Lord every step of the way they're remembering things are not like they were before the glory of the Lord Lord isn't with us. We're going to the house of God, but God is not going with us. Uh, The maintenance of the shields was also different. Gold shields needed almost zero maintenance to keep their shine and, and their polish, while the bronze shields needed constant rubbing to keep the tarnish off and the shine on. Coin collectors have a trick for telling the difference between a gold and a bronze shield, even beyond the weight. What they would do, I'm told, uh, uh, just by doing a little bit of research on this, uh, I'm told that, the go- that uh, uh, coin collectors will take the coin and they'll rub the coin between their fingers until it gets warm. And then they can smell their fingers. Why? Why? because gold coins don't produce an odor, while bronze coins have a stink. Rehoboam's bronze shields held the odor of human stench, human effort, human strength. There was a constant need for work and effort to keep them shining. Rehoboam was pathetically trying to keep up former appearances. He was pretending that the The provision and the protection was still there, but the glory was gone. The picture of Rhea pathetic attempt to substitute bronze for gold is heartbreaking. And yet I want to ask you, seated here tonight, how often do the people of God masquerade through life with cheap imitations because they too have lost that which was precious because of unfaithfulness or compromise or outright disobedience? How often, man or woman of God, do we endeavor to keep up an outward appearance of spiritual health when in reality? our souls have lost their freshness our spirits have lost their zeal and our faith has lost its power it is far too common to find amongst ourselves those that have traded in gold shields for bronze ones and in the process they have convinced themselves that it is good enough they're easier to carry they have the same form they make a shiny impression just like the gold ones so why preacher are they so wrong There's a problem with the bronze shields and there's a problem with dead spiritless religion. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And watch this, verse. skipping to verse 5. He says, they will act They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Can I tell you that the great tragedy of a bronze shield is exactly that it looks just enough like the real thing that it doesn't inspire change or repentance that we carry something along with us that makes us feel okay about our present condition and it doesn't cause us to find a place on our knees to repent before God. Can I tell somebody today God hasn't walked into this building to heap condemnation on us. No, he's walked into this house to say this world needs a people that know the divine presence of God. It needs a people that know how to walk in apostolic authority. The tragedy of a bronze shield is that too many will settle for a second-rate experience, a good enough substitute. They have religious activity without spiritual transformation. They have religion without relationship. They know how to read the word like a preacher, but don't know how to feed on the word. Their testimony is cheap and holds little sway. They trade in peppy praise for true worship. And yet as clear as it should be, I can hear the defensive response of the compromised Christian. If Shishak has stolen our golden shields, don't worry, preacher. We'll make bronze shields and go on as we always have. They've surrendered their spiritual riches for spiritual poverty. Traded the divine for the natural, substituted talent for anointing, increased human effort for godly authority. And see... In this trade of gold shields for bronze ones, we trade God's power for human effort. We learn how to do ministry without the presence and power of God. We learn how to pray impressive prayers over people and nothing happen, and be okay with it. We learn how to go entire lifetimes. Knowing about what's possible, but never pursuing it. Hearing the stories, but never ever making our own ones being satisfied with bronze shields and never going back after the enemy to get the gold ones back for ourselves. Oh I know the compromised Christian can still look spiritual. We know our Bibles. We attend church still marching to the temple as before. We lift our songs of worship louder and more skilled than ever. Yet we live in disobedience. We tolerate sin. We worship superficially because we've lost our gold shields. I wonder is there anybody here tonight that would Recognize the tragedy of a bronze shield in your own life. Not just in the church in general. But in your own life. That would recognize you have traded commitment for carnality. Consecration for compromise. Obedience for excuses. The tragedy of a bronze shield is that it testifies every time it is pulled out for use. That it represents a people that have been pulled out for God's purpose. But stripped away of that power. Trading the greater for the lesser. I pray that this generation coming up is not a generation that has the testimonies of the previous generation forgotten and left behind. I pray that my grandkids and my children are not satisfied with the legacy that I have handed them. I pray that they want more. That they want more than what I've given them. My prayer in my own life, Brother Lehman, as a pastor, my prayer is that I want to become a pastor that knows how to walk with gold shields and is never content the moment that I pick up a bronze shield that I'll put it away and say, no, it will never satisfy. I'm not going to start pretending. I'm not going to start praying prayers of formality when I know that God is not in them. I'm not going to keep preaching messages and sermons where I have not spent sufficient time in prayer. Listen to me, young man, young woman, if you're going to walk with God successfully all the days of your life, you've got to make up in your mind that nothing less than the divine presence of God is going to satisfy you. Nothing less than power-filled prayers and God's presence showing up is enough. We need to get back to the real thing. We need to build experience what the apostles experienced and not be satisfied with a Catholic church religion. But I've got to have more than form, more than fashion. I want the power of God. At any time... At any time, Rehoboam could have found a place of repentance. Why didn't he go after the gold shields? Why wasn't there something that came to Rehoboam's mind or heart when the shields were stolen? God, whatever we've done to get us to this place, would you forgive us? Forgive us of sin. Lord, if we have become a less powerful church than the church you designed us to be, if I have become a less powerful preacher, if I have become a less powerful husband in my home, a less powerful father, a less powerful man, young man or young woman of God, if I have trended that way, God would you forgive me, forgive me for the sin of distraction, forgive me for allowing the enemy to come and to take away that which you invested in me, not satisfied. I'm going to go after the enemy until I get back Uh, what represents and not just what represents but what is the power and the glory and the weight of the crucified Christ. It is the cross that we carry not just on our shoulder but in our hearts. The blood of Christ shed for you but not you only but for your family. Not for your family only but for that worker and that man or woman uh, that you have had a burden on your heart for. Hearing their stories of brokenness, you want to be able to help them but you're too timid to pray because it feels like when you pray that your prayers are shallow or ineffective. Your prayer life and the divine presence of God in your life matters a lot more than when you can provide for all of your provisions. You whip out the credit card when you don't have enough money in the bank. You go to the doctor when you're sick. And, and we really, we live a lot of our lives never, ever having to lean on the gold shield. We've learned to do life without the presence of God. And how many churches around North America have learned to do the same thing? They fill pews, they have preachers, they sing songs. And some of the best talent, even the worldly talent can't compare to some of the talent in these churches. But as they sing, and some of them as they dance, you walk into those places, those sanctuaries, and the power of God is conspicuously absent. There's shields, but there's no presence. When you show up in somebody's life, when you get into the world uh, and, and, and uh, uh, reaching the world uh, and touching the world and trying to show the world there is a God that is still working uh, miracles. There is a God that is still saving souls. I've come to tell somebody, it'll arrest your attention because those bronze shields, uh, when you stand in that living room and you put your hand on them and anoint them with oil and you begin to pray with them, you remember in those moments, uh, bronze shields are never going to be enough because bronze shields aren't going to bring a revival bronze shields aren't going to bring healing to the broken lives this world needs a church that knows how to pray that knows the presence of God and is never happy with a substitute when they feel it leaving they say oh no not today I'm going after it would you stand with me all across this place All across our churches today are homes, families, and individuals who were once rich with divine wealth, but now sit ransacked and barren because the enemy was allowed access. Somehow they continue to think that their scattered religious activity is good enough. It is nothing more than brass trying to shine like gold. The great tragedy of the bronze shield is that instead of pursuing after that which they lost, they frantically polished their bronze shields with more works, hoping it will suffice. When Thomas Aquinas visited the Pope and was being shown the splendor of the papal treasures, the pontiff remarked with great pride. He said, you will observe That the church no longer has to say, Silver and gold have I none. To which Aquinas answered quickly, Neither can she say, Rise up and walk. You see, Saint Shishak has stolen the gold from the church and its believers. Many a family. I'm not talking about a mass. I'm, I'm so thankful for the apostolic move of the Holy Ghost. And I know our churches and this church is one of the, the core representatives of what it is to take an apostolic heritage and implement it, but on an individual level. It doesn't matter only what happens corporately as a church, but there has to be a personal responsibility in every one of your lives for yourself, for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for those that are going to hear your voice, to those that you are going to work with that says, "I, I want to build a say, rise up and walk. You can have the gold and the silver of this world. Give me the gold of the presence of the Lord. church has a lot that is good. There are some who will leave this place today happy to continue polishing your bronze shields. I mean a bronze shield is better than no shield, is it not? A bronze shield still has some value, doesn't it? Offers some protection, right? Maybe it's not gold, but it's still good. Absolutely not. Not believe that God is raising up a generation that refuses to be satisfied with bronze shields. I can't afford to be a preacher that is satisfied with bronze shields. My grandkids need a papa that knows how to walk in the power of the Spirit. Your kids need parents that know what it is to touch God regularly in their prayer closet. Our world needs a church that knows how to travail in the altars and do the investing in prayer and separation from the fleshly pursuits of this world. A people that know the value of the divine and refuse to settle for anything less than the God's presence himself. I want him back back. I wonder without any more. I wonder right now if there's not somebody, some young man or some woman uh, that will step out right now and say, God, I'll be the one uh, to go back after the shields. Uh, I'll be the one to get my life right. Uh, I want your presence back in my life. uh, Or I want it for the first time. If you've never experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you can have it tonight. Uh, You can have the divine living and abiding inside of you, uh, flowing through you to a world that needs to hear the message of the gospel that can change and set free but nothing less than his presence can suffice would you find a place Would you find a place to put in the work tonight? I know it might not be comfortable. I know it might not, I know that the right chords might not not yet be struck. I know that there might not be the right emotion in beginning this moment, but you can make up in your mind, God, forgive me. Forgive me for every distraction. Forgive me for the abundance of entertainment. Forgive me for looking to this world's answers to fill the gap of the departure. Gold shields. God, would you forgive us as a church? Forgive us, forgive us as a church. Turn our hearts back to you. God, that this church would be so on fire that the moment that a sinner walks through the doors of the church, they could tell the presence of God is here. That the Shekinah glory of the Lord, the shining of your presence would be so palpable and so present that the sinner would fall to their knees in repentance. I pray that my life would be so sold out. saturated by your presence, Lord. Come on, somebody cry out. Somebody dig in. I know it's uncomfortable. God has not called you to be a soldier for peacetime. God has called you to be a soldier in a battle. This is war. It takes us putting our hands in the hands of God to get back what was stolen. Jesus, hear the cry of your people tonight. Uh, Lord, hear our prayer. We've got to have you. I need you. I need you in my family. I need you in my own life in my day-to-day walk. I need divine appointments. I need your spirit flowing in my life and flowing over to those that I am in contact with God. I want to be able to pray for those that are sick and see you heal. I want to be able to pray for the lost and the addicted and see them set free. God, we got to have what you Designed us to have. <laughs> Come on, somebody, travail in the spirit. Push until you're in that place. God, would you wash me? God, would you turn me? God, bring me back to where I need to be. I know I've had a form of you, but I want a transforming you in my life.